Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 44. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Dave, so much has changed since the last episode of the podcast on Monday. It's a new calendar. It's the first snowfall in Pittsburgh this year. The Raiders are running out of coaches. They fired basically everybody <laughs> so far. One thing that has not changed, though, is the overall complexion of the Steelers roster. No moves happening at the deadline. We'll talk about it more in depth and get you ready for this Tennessee Titans game. It's kicking off tomorrow to kick off week nine, Thursday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Amazon, shown locally as well at Acrisure Stadium. So we got a jam-packed show. It's the old eight pounds in a five pound bag. Like Mike Tomlin <laughs> has to say, that's, that's our show today, Dave. Yeah. And, and knowing us, we'll try to put 15 pounds yes. in, uh, uh, in, in that. Yeah. We got a lot, uh, uh, to talk about today. We have a, uh, great guest, uh, Nick, uh, Suss who covers the, uh, Tennessee Titans for the, uh, the Tennessean, uh, very, uh, entertaining guy that we got to talk to about a half an hour to help, help us, uh, preview the Titans on this short week. So, uh, where would you like to start? Yeah, just a quick mention again, Raiders firing, uh, first firings of the year, Josh McDaniels and Brad Z or Dave Ziegler, I should say the uh, GM and just fired their OC Mick Lombardi. So Pittsburgh beat them earlier this year and seems to be some, uh, some frustration after that game from the Raiders side. And so that's a, an official house cleaning there, but to take it to Pittsburgh trade deadline, Tuesday, 4 PM Eastern time, a lot of rumors about Pittsburgh centered around one Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Chicago. Ultimately, he was not dealt to Pittsburgh or uh, Pittsburgh or any team. He was ultimately kept. But uh, the reporting, whether or not you believe it and how truthful these things are, who's to say? But the reporting was Pittsburgh in on Jalen Johnson. But ultimately, no moves, no trades being made by the Steelers on Tuesday. I feel you set me up there. You're, 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 I know. I'm, you're, I'm softball down the middle. <laughs> You're trying, you're trying to tee me up there to, to, to go off on something here. Uh, and look, uh, look, they didn't make any moves. We kind of wondered, you know, uh, got a lot of questions on it. Obviously entertained, uh, the idea that nothing's impossible, as I like to say, uh, First and foremost, I'm not surprised that we're not talking that that we're, that we're talking about this team not making any moves. But uh, there, uh, and look, uh, obviously we got traffic from the speculative uh, spec speculation about Jalen Johnson with the Bears and all like that. Let let me kind of frame to you what I think, and and, and you know I want to qualify that what I think uh, uh, that. What, what may have went on there. First and foremost, you know, there were reports from guys like Fowler, Jeremy Fowler, a couple of days ago saying that uh, the Bears were, uh, in, in so many words, given given Jalen Johnson permission, his side permission to maybe to 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 explore some trades and, and all out there. I believe that aspect of it. Uh, I 
do believe to some degree that maybe there were some conversations uh, with the Steelers and all like that. But he, here, here's where I come down on this and why I didn't believe anything would ultimately happen uh, uh, with the Bears and Jalen Johnson. First and foremost, compensation-wise, uh, I think there were reports out there that that they that the Bears weren't going to part with them unless it was maybe a second. Uh, and let's even say maybe it was a third round pick uh, that, that maybe you could have gotten him uh, for a third round pick and maybe whatever package you want to dream up uh, beyond that. This is a guy that was in that, that that's in the final year of his contract. There are also reports out there that he's looking for a deal. You know, let's go with the report 15 million uh, uh, per year. Let's let's mm-hmm. assume that that's correct. Now that's dangerous to do, but let, let's assume that's correct there. Uh, for the Steelers to have gotten anything done uh, that would have acquired Jalen Johnson, first and foremost, you have to come off the compensation. Second of all, second of all, if you're going to come off a, a, a compensation that high for a guy that's in the final year of his contract, you're probably going to want to get a deal worked out with him ahead of time uh, so that you don't get in a situation that you acquire a guy uh, whose contract's running out and then kind of puts you in uh, behind the eight ball of, okay, we're going to have to maybe franchise franchise tag this guy uh, and then see where it goes from that. You know, the, the player would have a, and his agent would have a lot of leverage. If you trade for a guy, don't get a deal done uh, in, uh, you know, on that side of things. You, you would agree with everything that I've said at that, uh, up until this point, right? Yes. All right. So uh, next, let, let's assume you are trying to work out a, a, a deal and you're okay with giving the Bears second or third or whatever the compensation is on that. The fact the notion that this team would would realistically think about giving a guy a, a guy not not groomed in their organization fifteen million dollars a year. All right, let's even get past that notion. There, I I, I think if there were any serious and you know there there's reports out there that the Steelers were serious about this. Uh, where the road, where I could definitely see the roadblock in this thing being is guaranteed money. And we know how the Steelers are uh, with, with guaranteed money for non, non-quarterbacks uh, and, and particularly for, for, for players not deemed top of the position group. In other words, you know, you know not your TJ Watts, not your, not your Mika Fitzpatrick's. If indeed that they even got to the point where they were saying, okay, well, we, we can go along with this $15 million per where the real breakdown I see in this and where I think that this deal was never going to get done was uh, coming to some, some sort of agreement where, you know, it'd be more than just basically the signing bonus in the first year of um, uh, money guaranteed in my my takeaway is that this was just exploratory and it really never got legs past that because I can't believe that the Steelers were in serious negotiations to give him and, and look anything from let, let's assume the, 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 the market price on him was just as low as $10 million per year. That would have made him the sixth highest paid 
player on 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 the Steelers roster uh, when it comes to you know a- average yearly value and all. And and look, there's no way that kid was going to take no ten million dollars uh, per year on top of it. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I at best I just think this was the Steelers entertaining a call. Uh, with the Bears to 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 really see what he was looking for because look after this season way it looks right now uh, uh, Johnson's going to be a unrestricted free agent and maybe you can pick up these kind of talks uh, uh, next offseason if in, if indeed he he does become an unrestricted free agent uh, my main takeaway is. I would have I would have been shocked had they uh, acquired uh, him via a deal for all the reasons that I mentioned, and my I I I, I have a hard time believing that the two sides were even close in making a deal for Jalen Johnson. I will now step off my soapbox. <laughs> Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Sure, that makes sense, and nobody knows for sure how close they got. I'm sure there were some calls. I'm sure there was some exploring and. You know, what does strong push mean? That was the report out there, the language that was used. That might mean talking to his agent and seeing exactly what he was looking for in terms of a deal and realizing that they weren't going to be able to make that work. And you can maybe end things from there. Is that considered a strong push? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on your perspective. But we knew this team was going to add. It was probably going to be for a cornerback. That's the area of need. That's kind of what the market had a potential surplus of. Johnson's name being rumored. You saw Russell Douglas get traded from Green Bay to Buffalo. So a couple cornerbacks rumored or actually got dealt. Uh, during the trade deadline. But ultimately, all that matters is nothing happened. The roster is the roster, and that's what they'll roll with the rest of the way. As that's, as, as the reports yesterday you know, started to come in, start you know, obviously earlier in the day, and the Steelers linked to them, blah, blah, blah. At, at any point, did you think it was going to get done? Honestly, did, 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 did you think that by the end of the day, we'd be talking about Jalen Johnson being a, being a Steeler? Well, my thought was, and I was wrong about this, I thought he was going to get traded. It just felt like there was so much smoke and you know he was he was asking for a trade and granted permission. And with a trade deadline, typically that seems to align that somebody would want a 24-year-old rising type of quarterback. So I thought he would get dealt. I didn't think the odds of Pittsburgh were terribly high. I've kind of said for a while that you know I, I think if they were going to trade for a corner, it would have been a smaller name. And ultimately, I thought they were just going to stand pat and, and do nothing with the roster, which is ultimately what occurred. But you know, you can't ignore some of the, the the smoke that's out there and you kind of listen to that and you, you never know with Omar Khan. He has been you know, relatively aggressive, so nothing's going to gonna shock me. But I was not expecting, nor was I crushed when I heard the news that Johnson was going to stay in Chicago. Right. And you're obviously not surprised that this 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 team stood pat overall, both in the selling and the buying category. Right. Um, you know, if, if anything they were going to buy, they weren't going to sell. But I think the most likely thing in the deadline generally, the, the NFL deadline's gotten a bit more active over the years. You saw a couple of deals yesterday. Washington selling off the Reds guys and Sweat and Young to uh, Chicago, funny enough. And then also San Francisco, Young going there. But, you know, it's not like the NHL or NBA or baseball. We are going to get a, a really active deadline deals uh, occurring. So, I think the only AFC uh, North move that got made yesterday was what Cleveland sending Donovan Peoples-Jones to Detroit, their receiver. So all of that is to say that, no, I'm not surprised that Pittsburgh ultimately stood pat. All right. Enough enough time spent on something that didn't happen. All right. Let's talk about some things that did occur or at least estimated to occur. Pittsburgh had their Tuesday estimated injury report. They did hold a practice, but it really was a walkthrough, and so you really can't take much stock into the actual reporting. But according to the injury report, 
Uh, let's see, Minka Fitzpatrick did not practice. He's been ruled out by Mike Tomlin this uh, week. Kenny Pickett limited on Monday, which was a truly estimated report. There was no practice at all. Uh, Pickett uh, limited on Tuesday, but he told reporters that he is going to play. And so we can talk about that here in just a moment. Levi Wallace has been limited with a foot injury. Uh, Casey's good to go. Uh, McFarland and Hayward listed as full on Tuesday, which is encouraging, of course. But again, that's that's a walkthrough estimated report. Today's practice on Wednesday, uh, per Mike Tomlin, is going to be more spirited than actual practice. So I think what happens today with those guys is going to be more telling to get a true feel for their status. Yeah, look, I hope uh, hope Hayward can give it a go, even if it's, uh, you know, 25, 30 snaps or whatnot, you know, uh, be nice to get him back out there. And it, 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 it seems like it's trending in that direction. This team still has a 52 man roster that they're working with. Wolf, you know, I know everybody wants clarity on, on, on what make, what's going to happen when Minka Fitzpatrick. I know Jerry Dulek uh, had a report on, on uh, what, what's today. Today's Wednesday, Tuesday night, Tuesday. Uh, uh, night that, you know, there, there are concerns maybe really wasn't definitive. It seemed kind of more, uh, I know he supposedly had that MRI on Monday, but anyway, long story short, we're going to, we're going to learn what we need to learn about. He's not going to play Thursday night, obviously. And by Thursday afternoon, if the Steelers place him on IR, well, that, that hamstring's pretty bad. If they don't place him on IR Thursday afternoon, then that means that they expect him back uh, within uh, a four week time period. So uh, we, we, we will get a better idea of what's going on with Minka. And, and, and in the short term, we know that they're not going to have him Thursday night against the Titans. Uh, when it comes to uh, uh, Hayward, once again, uh, uh, they'll have to make the move by Thursday midday of whether or not to activate him. Uh, it, it feels like that's going to happen. It, it, I don't know what's going to happen with McFarland. When's his 21 day window actually in? Dude, this is his third week, right? Uh, he got activated the same day Deontay was designated to return. I don't know the exact date on that, but what, what calendar day was that? You remember? Oh, uh, I can look it up here right now. I mean, it's it's not it's not by Thursday, but it might be by the this upcoming by Monday or, or, or Monday Tuesday. or Tuesday. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see there. And obviously, you got more time if you need it with 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 Cameron Hayward. It might come down to how they feel Cameron Hayward looks today. You know, sure. I think that's true for a lot of these guys, or at least uh, Hayward and Kenny Pickett. So to mention Kenny Pickett, he expects to play. Tomlin had said on Monday that Wednesday is going to be the crucial day for him in terms of how well he can function and throw and the pain tolerance and Kenny. Uh, you know, contort his body the way he, that, he, that he has to to throw. But uh, based on Pickett's strong language, he's going to be the guy uh, Thursday against Tennessee. Yeah, as we stated the other day, it's, it's can you can you grip it and rip it, and and how much pain are you? Uh, can you can you protect yourself? You know, uh, I think I think that's a big thing as well too. But uh, uh, it sounds like he's going to go. And October 16th is when McFarland had his window open. That was the same day as Deontay Johnson. And so we're, you know, what, 15 or so days into right. that. So a couple more. Yeah, by decision time by early next week. And you would think if they activated him that Iguabukwe uh, would be the one pro- probably to, to, to go in that situation there. But they could go a lot of different ways with this, obviously, uh, having an open roster spot right now. Will anybody else need to be ele- elevated or anything mm-hmm. like, like, like that because of the, the safety situation right now? I mean, we'll, we'll have to see there. But uh, uh, the big question mark, I think, and, and obviously we'll get – 
get the answer there Thursday afternoon is is, is Cameron Hayward. I, I'm rooting for him, as, as I'm sure most listeners are, to make it back. And even if you get him on the field, you know, 25, 30 snaps, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm with you as well, facing Derrick Henry and that run-minded Titans offense. Dave, Matt Canada, Terrell Austin speaking to the media on Tuesday. Frankly, I think there was even less of note than there usually is. Was there anything that either coordinator said that stuck out to you? Uh, I haven't really gone through it with a fine tooth comb. Maybe you've gone through it a little bit uh, more than I have uh, here, Alex. I, you know, there's nothing, you know, talk, talking about uh, uh, George Pickens obviously is getting extra attention. What do you tell your quarterback uh, to uh, that you want them to do to, to take more chances that way. He says, no, I thought they both did a really good job. They went out and basically doubled. I think George Canada said uh, was double teamed almost every play, except for those times. I think he was targeted. We had a couple of shots. We just didn't quite get maybe one. We didn't see. And then uh, one uh, they went, brought pressure, misguided the ball and he scored a touchdown. Uh, uh, so I think we have to continue to try our best, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, we have to try our best to try to scheme open uh, Pickens more, even when opposing teams cloud him is, is my takeaway. Yeah. And you know, that's just the, the downside of having really talented receivers that defenses start to focus on and try to take away. So Pittsburgh will, I think we'll have to do a bit better job of that going forward. But as we'll kind of talk about briefly with the Jaguars game in a second, there were some plays to Pickens that were missed the, the one corner out that could have been caught the one, uh, you know, great almost catch that Pickens had just got that toe out of bounds. So a chance for more. And uh, that just sometimes happens and it has to get cleaned up, has to be better overall. But yeah, I think from Austin, from Canada, I mean, Austin talked about, you know, the challenges of replacing Minka and the by committee approach and expressing optimism in Miles Killebrew. It sounds like he's going to continue to get you know, dime package snaps and the starter should be uh, Casey and Keanu Neal. So uh, going to be, you know, a challenge there to, to try to replace what Minka is able to offer. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing we are going to see more killer brew in this one, especially hopefully, you know, with that linebacker background of his as well too. Uh, anything that you can do to 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 keep Derrick Henry from turning those three yard runs into seven or ten or twelve or fifty eight, <laughs> mm-hmm. as we've seen Derrick Henry be able to uh, to do before. So, uh, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Elijah Riley. It, it does on a short week and all like that. Uh, and, 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 and losing Minka, it, it, it sounds like they're going to go more with the devil that they know coming out of post Minka injury in that game against the Jaguars. You just worry about passing situations. You're going to have Keanu Neal and Miles Killebrew presumably on the field together. And those are two box guys, run defenders, kind of, they both played linebacker over the course of their NFL careers. And can those guys cover in space? Not that Tennessee has any, you know, major threats at receiver besides DeAndre Hopkins. So that's one, you know, upside. We're not facing the caliber of receiving groups that the Rams and the Jaguars uh, have and had, but still, can those guys cover on third down? That's the question. You think they'll do much of anything based on 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 kind of the uh, what was said by the court by by was Austin asked about uh, Pat Patrick Peterson moving around uh, at the very end? Yes, and you know, le- left that door open. He's not closing the door on, any, on anything. But if Levi Wallace is not going to play or is not going to have much of a role, then Peterson's going to have to occupy a lot more snaps at at that right corner spot. All right. Uh, anything else from uh, those other two on a short week that? Uh... That, that caught your eye? 
No, I think that was that was it overall. Just to kind of go back to the Jaguars team after watching the All-22, Dave, won't spend a ton of time here, but my takeaway offensively is, you know, don't blame Matt Canada for this, you know, poor output. Does not absolve him for his tenure or the season or other issues from other games, but I thought he called a really good game overall. To me, this one was really on execution. There were so many plays there for the taking from the literal first play of the game to the missed end zone connection between Pickett and Deontay Johnson to run game issues to other kind of execution related problems so i thought it was this one was really on the players for just not doing their job yeah look i think you even highlighted you know uh uh one of those crunch wham plays as well too these guys have got to do a better job carrying out their assignments they're just absolutely nothing in the run game uh uh be interested broderick jones gonna start uh no i expect dan moore to start okay not saying it's the right decision but i expect him to start all right. Dan Moore had a rough game. Uh, I, I feel overall against the Jaguars. I mean, if you're ever going to pull the cord. Uh, yeah. the, but the, on a short week, you get literally like yeah. one practice in. They're not going to do that. I don't think maybe, if Moore struggles again against, you know, Landry and company long week, maybe you talk about it. All right. Uh, at, 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 at worst, we see some more tackle eligible with, uh, with, 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 with Jones. Possibly. It, it, it's a little bit, you know, dependent on, you know, when you're backed up in your own end zone or short yardage and those types of things. So I don't think it's going to be something they use on first and 10 on their own 25, but uh, potentially, I mean, the tight end production has not been there and the blocking's not been there either. So I, I'm in favor of trying to sprinkle that in to give you an extra boost. Uh, back back to the overall takeaway on the offense in this game against the Jaguars. I mean, I, I don't think uh, uh, Canada, uh, I don't think he called a bad game overall. Just as the game wore on, uh, it seemed like there were less opportunities to make those kind of plays. Now, look, I I, I still thought that this team should have used their running backs more uh, out of the backfield. That, that's probably more dis, uh, uh, dis, dis, decision making on mm-hmm. on on the quarterback's part in not checking down in some of those instances. I think even Mitch Mitch said after the game, right, that uh, uh, there were probably a couple opportunities there where he probably uh, should have checked down more. Uh, and you know, I know Mike Thomas says plays early in the game really don't. <laughs> uh, wasn't that your terrible take, or is that your terrible? No, that was on uh, the the takeaway comments, not teaming okay. up the offense that we uh, talked about Monday. Look, uh, if they make a couple of those plays earlier in the game, does it does does it does it kind of reshape things? You know, I'd like to find out. I mean, yeah. that first play, Deontay's down the seam, and as you talked about Monday, you can put it on Pickett, you can put it on Johnson. There's probably a bit of blame to go around there, but it's a play that has to be made. It's cover two. You got Johnson down the seam. That's at least 30 yards, maybe more. If Johnson can make somebody miss, maybe it's a touchdown. Um, and and that is, I, I love the the formation. I love getting Johnson as number three down the seam. It's it's the perfect call against the perfect coverage to to do it against, and they just missed, and that sets the tone for the entire day. Look, they did not lose. Uh, the The takeaway on offense here is they did not lose because of Matt Canada. Right. And, and I think he did a lot of good things in that game, especially in the first half, to to propel this offense and get them in position to win. And they just could not execute. Now, that's not us giving an endorsement on on, on, on Matt Canada, just to say that uh, uh, they, they they left some some plays on, uh, on the field for sure. And I think that's pretty evident. And, you know, uh, Mitch coming in and playing, you only live once ball uh, is something that, 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 that hurt this team as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand what he was thinking on that Robinson inter- interception. It was a very similar concept to that Deontay uh, incompletion on the first play of the game, but just, you know, with the backside safety not being held by anything vertical to his side and just given the game circumstance, not a throw that I think you can can make there if you're Trubisky, and he said as much after the game. Right. But right, the uh, O-line, just real quick note, I mean, yeah, Moore was not great. Say Malu, I thought, had a really tough game, yeah. uh, which, you know, it, it just has not gone well for him. Cole snaps, not that it's the biggest headline of the game, but he, had some, just, he was rolling the ball to Trubisky at one point late in that game. No, there's some rain and some conditions, but still, man, that was just a, a tough game from him from a snap standpoint. Uh, the O-line just really got no push up front, and, and stunt pickup was was pretty poor. Yeah, I, I think obviously the run game, as we talked the other day, it, it just it was it was non-existent. They weren't getting off. It, it was nothing like that we saw uh, against the Rams. Uh, uh, the the game earlier there and uh, pass protection overall was just meh. Overall, I mean, it, uh, it was it was sustainable enough on some of those plays that they should have made. You mm-hmm. know. But uh, top to bottom throughout the game, the offensive line was 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 under the line. Defensively, I thought the D line played well. Adams, Ogunjobi, I thought had mm-hmm. really strong games. Inside linebackers, I thought were active. You know, Roberts, Holcomb, I thought had a really you know good performance. Was a sideline to sideline impact type of player. Um, the secondary, I thought waned in the second half, and of course there was that bust on the ETN touchdown. But uh, I, my impressions didn't change too terribly much after watching the all twenty two defensively. I tell you, you know, my, I, I talked ahead of the season about, you know, I, I kind of wondered if Montrevious Adams would be out uh, on, on the 53 man roster. I think I I think I ultimately kept him uh, on my initial 53 mm-hmm. uh, with with kind of a, you know, uh, not full endorsement, mind you, but kind of the best of, of, of what they had. Uh, I think through the first uh seven games. I, I think he's played well. I mean, he's played a lot better than, than, than what I thought his get off is really there. I think he's, I think his ability to get off blocks is, is, is there. So I, I, a lot of, and look, has, has he been pushed around on some of these running plays and all? Yes. I, I think if there's anything uh, that, that, that you gig him for so far, it is maybe his play against the run, but he has been having to do a lot up front, obviously with, 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 without Cameron Hayward uh, there. But my, my, my general takeaway on Montrevious Adams through at least the first half of the season, hopefully he can keep it up, is that he is he's played above the line. I I, you know, I think it's get offs there. I think he's he's given this team some good pass rush snaps. Uh, you get you get the real Cameron Hayward back here in this this final half. Maybe that uh, even makes Montrevious Adams that that much more effective when he is on the field there. So I I I just want to make sure I give him a shout out. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, he's he's not the classic two-gapper, you know, run-stuffer, and so he can struggle more against those double teams and combination blocks, but whenever he's able to penetrate and get upfield in one gap and play the perimeter, you know, there was a, a run to the outside that ETN had, and Adams gets off the block and forces ETN inside, out on the edge. You don't see too many nose tackles that are able to, you know, force ETN back inside out there near the sideline. So um, he's, he's a high-effort guy, and I thought he's had a really good season overall. Uh, what do you think about going back through and watching the defense and 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 the play of the the uh, the inside linebackers? You know, I I didn't think it was bad. I thought those guys, you know, was were around the football and made plays. Could they have been a bit better against the run? I mean, the run defense, you know, overall, it's hard to complain too much. And you got a big threat like ETN. They kept the lid on things. They tackled, I think, reasonably well. I think ETN had three point three yards per carry. Um, no big plays overall in the run game. 
and Quan forces a fumble. Roberts gets a sack and a half. Oakland with a couple of big third down stops to, to force field goals and punts. So, I mean, it might not have been, you know, the most impressive performance in terms of really blowing up the run, but I thought they were steady and those guys made impact plays. Why do you think this this defense bends so so much? Um, is it the explosive I mean, plays? Well, those ended in touchdowns. I mean, you got broken on some of those plays as opposed to bending. I think just the nature of offenses in 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 general, you know, they move the football. You're facing some pretty good you know units. You know, you're facing, I think, a pretty explosive team in Jacksonville, and your defense was on the field a ton, and you know they didn't get a lot of rest in this game, which it doesn't help matters. Um, so I think it's just partially really just the nature of how offenses work. They're going to get yards. The question is, can you hold teams down on the scoreboard? If you can do that defensively, that that's kind of the mark of a good defense in 2023. And obviously they, they, they've, they've done that for most of the, you know, for, for all, but a couple of these games, be able to, you know, mostly hold opponents down on the scoreboard. So that's yeah. all that matters. I guess. But I mean, I will, I will say, you know, secondary is not looking too strong right now. So they're going to give up some plays there in the second half. You saw Ingram working on Peterson, working on Keon Neal for that 34 yarder. And so, you know, Porter, I thought had a really, you know, strong game overall, but what else do you have without Minka Fitzpatrick? I mean, the secondary, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson, Chandon Sullivan, Keon Neal, James Pierre, uh, Monte Casey, Miles Killebrew is not exactly a top tier type group. They've got to they got to tackle better, and boy, they better tackle better on 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 a short week on Thursday night against uh, some some big body guys, Derrick Henry and you know uh, uh, Hopkins. You, know, you better you better get those guys down quickly. Uh, looks like Keanu Neal. Uh, how many missed tackles did he have in this game? Uh, had a couple of missed tackles. Watts missed a tackle, obviously on the on the Lawrence one there. Casey one. I guess overall they didn't do a bad job in the mm-hmm. game uh, 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 against the Jaguars. But we have seen this team. I mean, they'll miss six tackles on one play sometimes. You know, right, right. They just they, in the off season just to look at that. They need more athleticism in the secondary. I mean, again, you got you know guys like Peterson, Wallace, Neal. Those guys really can't run. They can't play in space that that well. So you're going to have to get it. Not that you want to hyper focus on athleticism and, and ignore technique and, and the actual duties of the job, but they just need that infusion of of athleticism. I think in, in the off season. This would be a great game Thursday night against the Titans for 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 Russian coverage to work hand in hand. <laughs> for sure, yeah. As it, as it has to, I think for Pittsburgh that there really is not margin for error, especially defensively, and and that kind of was borne out in Sunday's loss to Jacksonville. Any other thoughts here on this game, offense, defense, special teams, Dave? No, uh, look, uh, Nick Herbert's taking advantage of his snaps. You know, I know it's hard to get him on the field, but uh, bless his heart, when that guy's out there, uh, you notice him. Yeah, I mean, but 21 snaps the last two weeks, and he's got a sack, a tackle for loss, a forced fumble. I mean, he's making impact plays on limited you know, snap counts. And I understand why he's not playing a ton. It's it's hard to right. play a ton with Watt and Heisman out there, but this guy's making an impact on very few snaps. Can this guy be the number three uh, behind uh, Watt and Heisman next year? Sure. I think he's in that direction. I mean, the run defense will have to continue to watch, but I, I don't think he's been a liability against the run this year. That was our big concern with him coming out of Wisconsin was just the overall you know, frame and lack of length aspect. It's not been, you know, to me, a a big red flag so far, but impact player. I mean, he's, he's shown that. So yeah, he can definitely be that guy. I guess a a perfect time to to cover something we missed here at the top of the show here. They they feel so comfortable about their outside linebacker uh, uh, position that they, uh, uh, the practice squad moved. David Perales, at least for now, is no longer on, on the practice squad. 
Yeah, I think some of that was just, you know, he, he may circle back because right. they signed Jalen Elliott, who was with them in camp uh, this year. He's got a bit of experience in the NFL um, with the, the lines getting a bit shorter at safety. And then also did a linebacker swap, Caleb Johnson released. And um, uh, is it Mikel or Michael Walker, former Falcon, uh, signed to the practice Mikkel. squad? Mikel. Uh, he's got a bunch of experience. So that's a practice squad swap that occurred the day before Perales got released. All right. You got anything else? Can, can, can we put a bow on the uh, Jaguars game, at least for now? Just just one last thought, and we've talked about, uh, about it before, but Keanu Benton, just watching him, I mean, no, he didn't get a sack in this game, but just watching the hips and him being able to turn his hips and get vertical, getting pressure, um, interior pressure, he forced that on the Lawrence interception that Casey picked off, uh, other plays where he you know, was able to collapse the pocket. I think just the fluidity that he has in his hips for a guy of his size is really impressive. All right, what do you think about DeMarvin Leal's play so far this season? I mean, I've kind of said it, you know, the run defense has been better than I thought. I thought he gets off blocks well, uh, uses his hands well, plays with a good pad level. Uh, he's a good athlete, but the pass rush really has not been there. Even the pressures that he has had and the sack that he had earlier this year, they've not been really high quality. So when he came out, I thought he was, okay, pass rusher, athlete, can he play the run? I'm kind of now flipped and said, okay, this guy can play the run reasonably well. Can he get after the quarterback and be able to work in? you know, sub package. You don't see this guy in, in nickel and dime too much because they really don't trust him to, to get after the quarterback. He's kind of been a base rate defensive end. So it's really been opposite of what I thought he was coming out of AM. Um he's kind of turned into a, a rundown type of dude. All right. Is that kind of been your Yeah, as well? yeah. I mean just uh you really to me you gotta look for him when you watch the tape. Right. I mean he, I think he don't, he don't pop, you know. Not as a pass rusher. I think technically against the run, he's actually made some strides. But yeah, you're just not seeing this guy give you the juice. And if you can't rush the passer in the NFL in this day and age, it's hard to to play consistently. All right. All right, Dave. Uh, let's see. We'll uh, let, let's get to our, our our interview right now with Nick Suss. Uh, he covers the Tennessee Titans for the Tennessee. And you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Suss. Rhymes with bus, as he told us. And he's got some great insight on the Titans. So we'll take a pause and come back with Nick. All right, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Wednesday afternoon, and uh, this week we have a uh, opposing beat writer on who covers the uh, opposition, obviously a couple of days early with the Steelers playing on Thursday night at home against the Tennessee Titans. We have another first-timer on the show as well, too. We are pleased to be joined by Nick Suss. Nick is the beat writer for uh, the Tennessean, and he's a big sitcom nerd. Uh, uh, just got back a couple of weeks ago from England from uh, covering the Titans over there. Uh, I think everybody in this room right now feels like it's Friday when it's really Wednesday. But uh, we hope you are following Nick on Twitter at Nick Suss. That's S-U-S-S. Nick, first timer. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me on, y'all. Really happy to be here. Uh, Nick, let's start with kind of a big picture uh, kind of uh, uh, question here, talking about the Tennessee Titans, where they sit right now. Uh, obviously, coming into this game against the Steelers on Thursday night, they're a three and four team. They're coming off of a nice win against the Atlanta Falcons uh, in 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 Week Eight. Uh, kind of give us a, a thirty thousand foot. You know, you know, opinion on where this team is now versus maybe where you thought this team would be uh, right ahead of the start of the season. Yeah, it's funny. I spent the entire offseason telling people, man, they're going to have a decision to make after the bye week. That's the week I want to know if Will Levis is the backup quarterback yet. And man, he's not the backup quarterback <laughs> yet. He's the starter. Um, he, 
there's a lot of optimism around this team after last week's win, and justifiably so. That's one of the best rookie debuts that a quarterback's ever had. 238 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions was really impressive against a Falcons defense that came into that game top 10 in just about every category. But that was one game, and the other six games told a very different story. Uh, this is a team that has a lot of issues that can't just be blanketed over with one good performance. And it's it's interesting to see how much that optimism, how much that confidence can carry over, because this is a team that uh, struggled to pass protect for six weeks. It's a team that was inconsistent running the ball. It's a team that I think they had seven or eight sacks against the Falcons, but before that they had three quarterback hits in their previous two games combined. It's a team that had been beaten over the top in cornerback play a lot this year, but that, that seemed to have been shored up last week as well. Uh, the run defense, which had been number one in the NFL through the first four or five weeks of the season, got gashed by the Colts and Ravens. Uh, th- there's a lot that kind of needs to be understood that can't just be papered over with, hey, maybe you've got a quarterback now, but the optimism is hard to avoid when you're looking at a guy who could be a quarterback of the future and thinking, oh, well, that, but that's what we needed. That's what we were missing. Uh, when you look at the, what this uh, team did or, or where they're at right now, is is uh, is Mike Vrabel's job safe? I mean, is he yeah. on any any kind of hot seat right now? It doesn't feel like he is with you know the uh, the, the changeover in GM and ov- obviously a young cor- quarterback and all right now. His job safe though, right? Yeah, there's no concern there. Okay. Uh, looking back at the uh, the game this past weekend uh, uh, against the Falcons and all, and going, we uh, we were it's obviously a short week. Haven't had a time to look at a lot of film, but I got to roll through the all twenty two of the Falcons game last night. Uh, Will Levis. Uh, they did a lot of good things to help him out in that game. Obviously, the running game was good uh, overall. I thought they did a good job of putting him in pistol and running some RPOs and really some easy reads. Saw him boot, boot out a couple of times with some easy passes and all. And then, obviously, the, the big difference in that game uh, were, were those home run balls. Uh, a couple of them to, to, uh, to Hopkins, obviously. Uh, but one of the one of the things that that I came away and look you don't want to you don't want to take away from those home run balls and all like that but if you remove those from the equation overall one of the things I was thinking when I was watching the tape on Will Levis is it, it felt like the it felt like the accuracy was a little bit shaky in the rest of the passing game uh what did you like a lot about Will Levis in that game against the Falcons and what what didn't you like about him well, I, I guess I'd start by saying I disagree a little bit about the accuracy. He threw 29 times, and I'd say 25, 26 were on target. He had a couple of floaters, but I, I really wasn't uh, discouraged by the accuracy. I'd say the thing that stood out to me most beyond the the rainbow shots was the absence of the mistake. Like, you guys probably followed Will Levis through the draft process. I've been following the SEC for a decade before I started covering the NFL, so I've known Levis, known of Levis for a while. It's always the question of, well, is he going to make the mistake that crushes the team? Is he going to put on the superhero cape and try and do something off schedule that just crushes? And he didn't do that. There were no plays where it's like, man, what are you doing? Why are you trying to do that? Just check it down. Like he wasn't forcing anything. He wasn't making these mistakes. He was so in rhythm, so on schedule. And that more than the 58 yard air yard passes or whatever they were impressed me the most that this is a guy who was known for, hey, nothing's open let's chuck it and see what happens. And didn't seem like that was happening. There were a lot of times where he was willing to check down a lot of times where he's willing to throw the ball away. 
I came away impressed. Now, there's a lot that needs to be done beyond that, because you're right, there really wasn't an intermediate passing game. It was a lot of short stuff and then three really long ones. The The one intermediate pass that really impressed was the Hopkins touchdown on the drag route that Hopkins was able to make a, a move in space and kind of outrun some guys. But they also had a bad dropped pass on a perfectly thrown 22-yard in route. I, I mean, it's it's hard to gripe too much about the performance, but I will say the Falcons' good pressure pass rush, not a very good sack pass rush, where they tend to affect quarterbacks without actually hitting the quarterback. Uh, your listeners know the Steelers aren't that. If they get back there, they're probably going to hit the quarterback. And, and that's something that's going to have to see how does he react to real pressure from Watt, from Highsmith, from Cam Hayward if he plays. I mean, these are guys that can completely change a game. And Titans are going to be missing their starting right tackle for this one. Uh, they're reinserting Andre Dillard at left tackle, who started the first six games, got benched in game six, and now is back out there uh, because of the injury. And uh, he got benched for a reason. He really, really struggled, especially if you put on that Browns tape against Miles Garrett. And I think there can obviously be conversations about the quality of Garrett versus Watt, but they're pretty similar uh, on par of one another. And and if uh, TJ Watt can have that sort of game, uh, then Will Levis is going to have a lot of quick decisions to make. And that's where some of those mistakes can come in. Uh, real, real quick before Alex gets going here, uh, is, is does it look indeed like Chris Hubbard's going to miss the game because of the concussion then so Dillard would be at left tackle? Because I know they flipped those tackles after Hubbard left last week. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I mean, it would be really tough for Hubbard to clear concussion protocol in four days. Okay. So I, I, that is the working assumption right now. All right. Nick, to stay with quarterback, I know Levis is going to be the starter, get most of the snaps, but what about Malik Willis? They had two plays for him last week, kind of a package play, fumble on the first snap. They went back to it later in the first half in the red zone. Do they in- intend on using him again in this situational type stuff, or do you think that's going to be scrapped this week and it's going to be just Levis as the full and sole quarterback? I would not be surprised if there were some Malik Willis packages he's a very athletic player and he's a very valuable asset in the red zone, as you said. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I would think they'd be pretty few and far between last week. The narrative was the Titans might rotate quarterbacks this week. The narrative is Levis is the quarterback. Right. And so there's a chance. There's always a chance that the Titans, especially with a short week where you can't really reinvent the game plan, there's probably going to be some holdover from last week. And obviously Malik was part of the game plan last week, but you ride with the hot hand sometimes when you're a coach. And the simple fact is Levis looks like he's the hot hand right now. Sure. The team made the choice to hold on to Derrick Henry, ran for 100 yards last week. What was the decision, to your knowledge, of them deciding to to hold on to him? There were some trade rumors. Ultimately, he was kept. Why keep Henry, you know, as he's, he's, what, 30 for each and after this year? What was the decision to, to hang on to him? Yeah, I, I think it's twofold. I think that part of it comes down to there aren't there wasn't as much um, buzz as maybe you'd think, given that he's going on 30, got about five and a half million left on the contract for this year alone, uh, which would be a lot to spend. There aren't too many teams that would be able to manipulate the cap to do that uh, for the value of a running back of. I mean, how many running backs are making five and a half million for the full year, let alone for eight or nine remaining games, depending on your mm-hmm. bye week. So I think that's probably part of it. And I think part of it is the Titans would want something significant back for a player who's been the cornerstone of their franchise for more than half a decade. And I don't know if too many teams were willing to consider a day two draft pick for Derrick Henry. I think that's a, 
that's a high ask. But I think also when you win last week, when you get to three and four, and you look ahead at this Titans schedule where you have two more games against the Texans, two more games against the Jags, one game against the Colts, and then you have games against the Bucks and the Panthers, two teams that have really been struggling. Um, you have some winnable games. And if you can get to nine wins this year in the AFC, it's going to be a jumble. I, I think Steelers fans can look forward to this too. It's mm-hmm. going to be a jumble in the wild card. There's going to be a lot of teams competing for those spots. And the Titans already have the tiebreaker over the Bengals. Titans already have the tiebreaker over the Chargers. You win this game against the Steelers. That's a lot of wild card jumble that you have an advantage over. And I think you look at make this one last ride, make it a fast and furious or oceans 11 or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You got this one last try with Derek Henry. And if you want to resign him next year, that's still on the table, but this is the last guaranteed year. See what can happen in a year where the AFC seems to be really, really up in the air. Mike Rabel is the Vin Diesel of the NFL. I'll say, uh, give me, <laughs> give me a quick update. If you could just on Peter Skronsky, first round pick kicking inside the guard. How has he made that transition and what's his overall play been like? He's really good. Like I don't want to, I don't want to oversimplify things. Uh, offensive line is very complicated, but there was something that his people told me in the pre-draft, and his people told me in the post-draft, and anyone you talk about him or talk with about him will tell you the same thing. The dude can block. Like you can gripe about footwork, and you can gripe about arm length and size and positional versatility and transition and all this stuff. If you're good at making sure that guys don't get past you you're probably going to be good at a guard or tackle. And he's proven to be pretty darn good at the guard. There have been times, I think he's given up nine pressures this year, and he missed, I can't remember if he missed two or three games, but he had appendicitis early in the year and missed a couple of games. So nine pressures in four games isn't, it's not Sterling. It's, it's not Trent Williams yet, but it's its good. Uh, he's very physical. He's very active. You can see times where, he has his eye on one blocker. He'll go over, help somebody else, come back. He's got that good instinct there. He, to my opinion, is already the best pure blocker the Titans have. Now, there's other stuff to work on, obviously, than just stonewalling guys. But as far as first-round picks go, when you have a first-year GM and he comes out and says, I want my first-ever draft pick to be a 10-year guy who's going to be solid for a decade, I think they got one. This guy's just solid. When you flip over, uh, uh, you know, when you talk about the Steelers and trying to slow down this offense, I'm a huge Derrick Henry fan just because I mean a guy that size, the way he runs, especially out in space. I mean, just you know, uh, and it, you could tell later in that game against the Falcons they were tired of tackling him too. But it always seems like the moment he gets the ball, you can just go ahead and chalk up three yards, and then whatever he gets after it is up to you <laughs> at that point. But uh, and I know there was a couple of plays in there they did a good job keeping them under three yards and all but that i mean and, and not taking any i'm a huge uh, uh new hopkins fan as well too you know dating back to his college days guy's just incredible and all but he is up there in age and but he did have a solid game against the falcons which one of those two guys are you trying to take away if you're the steers you you you, you got to focus on that run game and keep will levis behind the chains right i mean that uh because one of the things that seemed like with the falcons is they they were in a lot of advantageous ahead of the chain situations and mostly because early in the game, it didn't seem like they were doing a good job of stopping Henry with some of those short tosses either way. And then obviously some of that zone stuff up up the middle there. You got to focus on Henry in this game if you're the Steelers, right? Yeah, that's that's what the Titans want you to do also. You're right. You got to focus on Henry. 
but the Titans also want you to focus on Henry. So they have single coverage on the outside. And that's what happened with the Falcons is that they were focused on Henry. They were intent on taking away the run and will Levis bet on his guys being able to win in single coverage. And I mean, AJ Terrell's a very good corner and Deandre Hopkins was able to just toast him. It, It was one of those situations where, you can call it vintage hop or you can call it current hop, which I think right. is what he's running with. But he had a great game. He had a great game. And that's when the Titans were thriving in 2019 and 2020. This is what they did. They bet that defenses were going to try and take away Derrick Henry. We're going to try and stuff the middle and said, OK, well, if you're going to single cover A.J. Brown, we're going to throw to him. And now I'm not saying that DeAndre Hopkins today is who A.J. Brown was in 2020 or Derrick Henry certainly not who he was in 2020, but these are guys who still can fit that game plan. So I agree with you. You have to try and take away Derrick Henry. If you put six in the box, the Titans are going to run all day and they're probably going to run pretty well. So you have to account for that. But the Titans were struggling earlier in the year with Tannehill because Tannehill didn't have the time to set up those deep shots. And he seemingly wasn't taking the deep shots when he had the single coverage downfield the new kids got no fear with that. So maybe it turns to turnovers. If uh, guys like Joey Porter Jr. or some of the other Steelers corners are able to make plays on the perimeter, take some balls away. But if the Titans receivers win their one-on-ones, uh, the, the taking away Henry thing falls right into the trap. When you look at defensive side of football, man, Jeffrey Simmons, <laughs> that guy's a beast in the middle uh, in there for sure. He really sticks out on tape. Obviously, Harold uh, Landry's had some success as a pass rusher. Uh, what else? But this defense overall kind of up and down. And uh, Alex and I were big Kevin Byard fans uh, uh, dating back to you know him coming out. And obviously, he's traded away now. Uh, what? What is your kind of overview of where this defense is right now? That this this version, it, it's they do a lot of twisting uh, and and stunts. It seems up front, and they look pre- pretty dark, you know, good at it. And Arden Key over on one side there, but uh, it just it feels like it, it, it's a reliant on man. Can can Jeffrey Simmons tear this thing up in the middle? Yeah, as the front four or five go, so the entire defense goes. It, it's a pretty simple premise where it's Jeffrey Simmons, it's Danico Autry, it's Harold Landry, it's Tier Tart, it's Arden Key. Those five guys, if they are getting pressure in the run game or in the pass game, the defense is doing well. <laughs> like it's it's a very simplified thing because that's where the talent is. There aren't too many defensive lines in the NFL that have that sort of talent. I mean Jeffrey Simmons has gotten his flowers. He's a great player and he deserves it. He's one of the top three or four, if not better than that, interior defensive linemen in football. Danico Autry doesn't get the credit he nearly deserves. I I don't know if people are super familiar with him outside of the markets he's played in, but this is a dude who's led the Titans in sacks the last two years, and he missed five games last year to lead the Titans in sacks, and he primarily plays inside out. I mean, he'll play on the outside. He's a versatile guy, but he pass rushes from the inside, and he's, he's always getting to the quarterback. And then Harold Landry started to look like himself last week, obviously missed all of last year with the ACL, and he's been working back to form, but... He started to look like himself again, and Arden Key has shown uh, flashes, especially week one, but he's starting to get to the quarterback a little bit more. When these guys are penetrating, and I should also mention Tier Tart, the defensive tackle, who's one of the best interior run stoppers in football, when these guys are creating havoc, the defense is playing well. When they're not, and opposing teams have the time, they can get what I call the bad kind of one-dimensional, 
because this Titan secondary is not super effective when it comes to stopping outside receivers. They're, they struggle against tight ends from time to time. They'll struggle against running backs from time to time. But this year, the real struggle has been perimeter attacks, just single coverage, one-on-one. Can they beat their man? Receivers have had a lot of success. And you can minimize that if teams can't throw downfield. But when teams can throw downfield, they abandon the run, they abandon the short game, and they say, let's let's beat them over the top. And, and they have. You can watch the Cleveland game. You can watch uh, New Orleans did it. You can watch Baltimore did it at times. Just the receivers can get open. So, I mean, that's a, that's a long answer to a short question, sure. but that's, that's kind of where the defense is at right now. As Dave mentioned, Bayer traded to Philadelphia in return. The Titans in part got Terrell Edmonds, former yeah. Steeler played 17 snaps. Was that sub package? What's his role? Could it expand and just initial impressions on Edmonds as a, as a Tennessee Titan? Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to him yesterday about the uh, return game. He said, this is his first time going back to Pittsburgh since last year. So he's, He's kind of excited to to get to see his old home again. And he uh, he said he didn't have the game circled on the schedule when he saw the trade, but he noticed it and got really excited nonetheless. Um, it, it's going to be interesting for him. He's Right now, he seems to be playing more in dime packages than he does in base packages. Um, but obviously, that role can expand. He's only mm-hmm. been here 10 days or so. The, the safety position for the Titans is strange because Amani Hooker, I thought, was probably a top five or six number two safety in the NFL. Adjusting to being a number one safety is going to be an adjustment. Uh, But beyond him, they have Elijah Molden, who up until May was a cornerback and he's played serviceably well at safety, but it's, there's a drop off from Kevin Byard. Obviously that's a two time all pro Um, beyond that. Yeah. It's wide open. They, they not only traded for Terrell Edmonds, but they signed uh, Kayvon Wallace last week off waivers. So that's two guys with a lot of starting experience in the NFL, Edmonds and Wallace, who are going to get their chance to work their way into the rotation. And I think that's a depth wise, perhaps a stronger safety room than the Titans have had at any point in the last two years. Uh, top tier talent wise, uh, you're missing Kevin Byard. That's that's always going to be the thing. And he was such a beloved figure in Middle Tennessee, uh, going to college at Middle Tennessee State, mayor of Murfreesboro as a nickname, all that stuff. He's such a tough player to lose communication wise and leadership wise, all that stuff. But I think Terrell Edmonds will probably get a few more looks this week than maybe he did last week. Maybe start working in some nickel packages, maybe start working in some base packages and from there, we'll see who wins the job between him, Molden, Wallace. And he knows the opponent pretty well, so that'll help on a, on a short week for sure. My last question for you, Nick, then I'll let Dave finish things out. Just a big picture question. What is the vision for the Titans to compete? They're in this kind of maybe weird spot, like you said, three and four. Levis, to see the future. Who do you build around? Henry's not going to play forever. You know, first year GM. What is the vision for this team to get back into that real, you know, competitive win the AFC South status, not just for this year, but what's the three, five year outlook for this franchise? Yeah, there's two answers to that. For this year, it's kind of what we talked about of make teams try and stop Derek and see if it works. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, I want to say the Titans are projected to have the second biggest amount of cap space in the NFL next offseason. Tannehill's coming off the books. Henry's coming off the books. Danico Autry's coming off the books. Tier Tart's coming off the books. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make down the line, but they should have close to $100 million in cap space to spend if their goal is to go out and have a free agent frenzy. They don't really have that many draft picks next year. I want to say it's 
one, two, three, five, six, six, or something like that. Maybe five, six, six, seven. Um, they got two picks back from the Kevin Byard trade, but before that, they only had five draft picks and uh, not very many in the the top rounds. So it's going to be tough to build that way, especially if they stay in that muddled middle and end up with the 14th or 15th pick instead of the sixth or seventh. So the the plan has to be use the players that they acquired this year and build around them. So it's not just Will Levis. It's not just Peter Skaronsky. It's Tajay Spears, who they picked in the third round, who's been absolutely absolutely electric with the ball in his hands this year. Just he's getting fewer touches because Derrick Henry is the primary back. And you have to find receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is only here for another year. He's on a two-year deal. Traylon Burks, who they picked in the first round last year, has kind of been a no-show this season because of injuries and he only caught one touchdown as a rookie because of injuries and got to see if he's a guy who can stick around or if you have to find some more help there. You got to figure out what to do at cornerback. You got to figure out what to do at uh, edge rusher. And kind of most importantly for this franchise is 2027, I want to say, is the year the new stadium opens up. Mm. And that's the year you want to guarantee you're contending. Now, the little history for you uh the stadium of Titans plan opened up on August 27th of 1999. Four months later, they were playing in the Super Bowl. Like that's the mm. history. That's the expectation is that mm-hmm. you have that new stadium. Now go win the darn thing. And so that's kind of got to be the five-year plan is 2027 is going to roll around. That'll be the end of Levis's contract. If you, Oh, you can't pick up a five-year option. It was a second round pick. It'll be the beginning of a new contract. If you extend them, um, and from there, can you compete by then? The the Texans have a young quarterback. The Colts have a young quarterback. The Jaguars have a young superstar quarterback. You got to compete with that. You got to build to beat that. And you got to build to stay in pace with that. So that's that's got to be the plan of take advantage of the money you have this year and make some deals. When you look at this uh, defense overall, looks like you know, a lot of zone coverage overall. Just of it's 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 so what you see is kind of what you get. I mean, four man rush. I don't think they blitz all that terribly uh, much overall. They 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 just try to keep a lid on things uh, mostly. Is is that is that kind of what we're expecting to see Thursday night, especially on on the short week? Just uh, uh, same old same old with that. You know. Uh, try the four-man rush blitz just occasionally on some of those down and distance situations and play a lot of zone coverage and and, and keep a lid on the back end? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I, I think that if you're going to see blitzes, it'll probably be like what they did against Cincinnati, where your inside linebacker, Aziz Al-Shair, will come in when there is a situation where you know a quarterback's going to have to stay in the pocket. And if Kenny Pickett is limited in mobility because of his injury, that might be a situation where they bring those extra rushers just because they know that it's going to be harder for him to move side to side. So that could be a possibility. But one thing about this Titans defense that I think is pretty notable is that they haven't really generated turnovers this year. They've done good jobs at times of forcing punts, but they're, I want to say they're second to last in the NFL when it comes to creating takeaways. So the aggression is not there, maybe the the make the big play spark, which I know the Steelers are, I think, second in the NFL in, in generating takeaways. It's kind of a different philosophy of the Steelers are trying to create mistakes and the Titans are trying to prevent mistakes. And I think that is 
two very valid philosophies. Either way, you're playing good defense. But I, I don't know. I think that the general conservatism of blitz four, don't let them beat you, has has been the prevailing wisdom in Nashville for a while. Yeah, looking at it right now, Tennessee minus two in the takeaway giveaway category right now. Steelers enter uh, seven plus seven in net differential here. Let's probe you real quick before we get a uh, prediction from you. Where does Tennessee need to go in the first round of the uh, 2024 draft, uh, uh, according to Nick right now? At corner would be my first instinct. Uh, they Christian Fulton's on the last year of his rookie deal. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting's on a one-year contract. Uh, Roger McCreary is a good corner. I like him, but I think they need help at cornerback, depending on where they can get it. I wouldn't be shocked if it was receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if they pick high enough to grab an offensive tackle. I think offensive tackle would be a huge, huge help. Uh, I think that uh, given the moves they're making, given the effort, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be in in range to grab like Olaf Ashnu or anything like that. They're going to probably have to wait a little bit longer for that. Uh, but yeah, corner would be my, my first instinct. Uh, and other than Chris Hubbard, anybody notable from uh, your projecting on out going to miss this game due to injury? Uh, we will see. I'm trying to think through the injury report. I think Josh Wiley's projected to come back at tight end. He was in the protocol last week. Roger McCreary has been limited with his hamstring, but I think they're trying to get him going um, Tannehill <laughs> is, is a big one, obviously, but I thought that was kind of a given. Uh, other than that, the only guy who missed practice yesterday was Chris Moore, and that was for family-related, non-injury reasons. So I think he will be back. I'd have, we'd love to talk to you about 30, 35 more minutes, but I know you've got duties that you've got to do. We'll put you on the spot here. Some beat writers like to do uh, predictions, score predictions. Some don't. Uh, give us your thoughts on the upcoming game Thursday night, and feel free to throw out a score prediction if, if, if you want to, Nick. Yeah, I don't want to contradict myself. I know I have a score prediction somewhere in print, so I don't remember it. Uh, I, right. I picked the Titans in this one. I picked it in a relatively low-scoring game. Look, I don't believe in either of these offenses. If I'm being frank, I I don't know if the Titans are as good as they showed last week. And I think the Steelers, unfortunately, might be roughly as what they showed. You're not hurting. You're not hurting our feelings. (laughs) Um, I, I don't necessarily know if this is going to be. This is a Thursday night football game and it's going to be mucky, like mucky Thursday night football with two offenses that don't play super well and two defenses that can rush the passer. I think the Titans are a little bit better right now, but man, if the Steelers came out and won by 10 points, I'd say that that's fair. Titans haven't won a road game this year. Titans have looked really bad on the road this year. I mean, they're, they lost by one point week one on the road. And since then it's been blowouts. It's been blowouts to Cleveland, Indianapolis. And if you want to count London as a road game, Baltimore, uh, they they got to figure out how to play on the road. and, And obviously Acrisure is that what it's called now? Yeah, Acrisure. Yep. Acrisure is not a not an easy place to play. So if the Steelers just came out and completely controlled the pace of the game, I, I would not be surprised in any event, given the way that the Titans played, especially against Indianapolis, a team they should be better than. But just given the, I mean, there's been so much about the Steelers team to to like, but there's been a lot to think. Something's off. And I don't know. We'll see how they recover with a with a quarterback who's a little banged up in an offense that's kind of listless. 
Tell, tell our uh, listeners real quick what they'll find on the Tennessee and today. And what's your favorite sitcom? You're a big sitcom fan. Yeah, favorite sitcom show called You're the Worst. It ran on FXX from 2014 to 2019, five seasons. Uh, very dark comedy. If you guys like dark single cam stuff, if you're looking for more of the traditional stuff, I, I would probably argue MASH is the best sitcom of all time. Yeah, I, I'm 55, so that fit, that fits me. So Yeah, I, I, I've got my commemorative math 50th anniversary magazine right here if you guys want to look at the zoom <laughs> but, um yeah i can i can go through the list i i have a yellow legal pad downstairs that's just tracking every episode of television i watch <laughs> wow. I, I, i'm very meticulous about it um so i can i can rant on everything from the reboot of frazier all the way down to the reruns of scrubs that i watched last night but uh yeah tennessean.com titans coverage a lot of trade deadline coverage last night just because titans were expected to be sellers and then didn't end up being um we got predictions we got every story you could ever want to know about will levis um and we'll have game coverage and we'll we'll head on through the season if you guys continue to care we've got some cool projects coming up uh around thanksgiving time that we're really looking forward to and uh, i don't care about twitter anymore if you want to follow <laughs> but i i took this job i think a year ago this week a year ago last week um and since then i have weaned off my twitter presence i i have i have the job i want i don't need to sell myself anymore I, so uh, gotcha. go for it follow me if you want you'll get occasional jokes all right nick you're absolutely fabulous uh first time uh, uh on here and uh look we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season who knows maybe these two will meet in the playoffs if not it seems like tennessee versus uh the steelers seems to be an every every year occurrence uh even though these two aren't in the same division but uh, uh great job today and uh, uh nick thanks for uh being a first timer on the terrible podcast with dave and alex yeah thrilled to be here thanks guys and welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Nick Suss, who covers the Titans for the Tennessee. And uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Nick Suss and thank him. Great interview first time. And hopefully he'll be on again. That was a, a really good conversation, Dave. Yeah, I bet that guy's fun to talk to, too. He's a huge into the whole sitcom thing. And uh, uh, I, I, I bet he's a fun guy to you know, not that I drink beer anymore, but to go get a beer with or, or something along those lines for a first timer because look we had david beauclair and who was great you know uh that that we talked about david beauclair is currently not not with any outlet or or, or, or covering covering the team so we kind of had to uh quickly had to shift gears and try to find another uh titans beat writer and uh, i think we had a good choice there uh in in in, in nick sus so uh nick admittedly is not on twitter a bunch but uh if you want to uh, uh, catch his attention at Nick Suss, S-U-S-S on, on Twitter. And, and thank you for, for his time. I'm sure he would appreciate it. Were you a MASH fan like Nick, or were you just around MASH enough to be aware of the show? Or are you, are you kind of a diehard when it comes to the show? Uh, no, no. Growing up, I, I, you know, I didn't understand the whole, you know, Korean war and, and some of that comedy that goes along with it. Uh, uh, so, you know, in the eighties, when that thing was, was obviously in its prime, I, I didn't give it the time of day. I've become more of a fan of it in, mm. in, in reruns after the fact, some of the comedy, uh, you know, being a big, 
kind of war buff that I am now, just, you know, the, 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 the tie in of the career, I, it's, it's not one of my, it's not, Oh, a bash reruns on, but if I'm scrolling through late at night, laying in bed, nothing's else on. And there's a mash episode that shows up on there. I'll watch that uh, kind of thing. But I have obviously a lot more appreciation uh, for the show and what it was as, as older Dave than, than I certainly did as, as younger Dave. Gotcha. Not a big MASH fan, but I'm a big Alan Alda fan. So I'll, I'll give MASH its, its due for, for that alone. All, All right, right, Dave, let's get into our uh, our own preview of this Tennessee Titans game. Again, kicking off Thursday, 8-15 Eastern time at Grishur Stadium. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, sitting at 4-3. Uh, and three. Tennessee sitting at 3-4. and four. Titans coming off a win against the Atlanta Falcons. Will Levis will be making his second start, replacing the injured. Ryan Tannehill and Dave will have to hope he doesn't have a repeat performance of that debut with his four touchdown passes. Let's start with that Titans offense and, you know, just really kind of taking the Falcons game on its own because that's the the only game we have on Levis so far. Your impressions of him and this offense with him as their starting quarterback. I thought they did an excellent job with the play calling overall with him and 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 the things that they were asking him to do. They put him in pistol. They put a couple of backs or tight ends uh, in the backfield uh, with him. They used just enough motion. They wrote, They booted him out just enough for a couple of easy throws uh, in this. Uh, you can't look at that game in totality though without without uh saying man those deep shots were 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 definitely the difference in that now the 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 first one uh to 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 hopkins that was an adjustment uh you know uh that that hopkins had to make that was kind of more uh, of a I don't want to call it a 50-50 ball because I don't think the, the the corner had as good a shot at getting that than than DeAndre Hopkins did but uh Let's not pretend that that one was right in stride, right? Uh, but it still got completed. You had a one-on-one situation out there in that time. He gave his guy the opportunity to make the play. Hopkins made the play uh, in that one. Uh, one of the other deep ones to uh, think it was Hopkins in this game, uh, double move, kind of a stutter and go, and, you know, got, got, a lot of separation on the back end and uh, Levis can chunk it. Uh, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell, you, tell you that he, he can chunk it. Uh, and he did in that situation, a, a well-thrown ball in that situation. The, uh, the other uh, touchdown across the middle to Hopkins. Uh, hot, to, to me, Hopkins kind of bailed him out on that. It was, it was behind, it was a behind throw and all like that. So, I mean, uh, you know, n- nothing over critical on that one. And, and, and on the, on the other one, it was a kind of a nod right by the, uh, who, who caught that last, uh, the last Westbrook Aquino. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a good job of going up, uh, the right side, uh, and then nodding and then turning the, 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 the corner back around the, and, 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 and Will Levis kind of floated that one to, for an easy, an easy like kind of touchdown, uh, on that one. I, my my takeaway, Nick disagreed with me on 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 this, and I have no issue on it. It's not like I've I've examined, pinpointed uh, all the throws that he made in that game. I kind of wonder if there's some accuracy issues there with him. Did did you get a sense though in in the other throws that there there is a a bit of an accuracy accuracy thing going on there? Wasn't now he still completed a high rate and all like that, mm-hmm. but but. 
I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hypercritical on him. I wonder if we might be talking about Will Levis' accuracy after this game. And if so, I expect to be given my flowers on this. <laughs> we'll make a note of that. No, I, I think there's a chance he's going to come back down to earth in this game. Yeah, I don't know if he was hyper accurate. Um, they didn't ask him to do too much. There was right. a lot of play action, take deep shots. They came out extremely conservatively on the first two possessions, running the ball, you know, flare routes. They ran a power shovel play to, I think, the running back. I mean, they were really not doing much the first two possessions. Then they got the run game going a bit. They opened up play action. Levis took his deep shots. And the good thing about him is he knows where his bread is buttered. Throw it to DeAndre Hopkins, put it in his airspace. He's going to make some plays and probably make you look better and more accurate as a quarterback. And as Nick said, there was the one drop by a Conquo on that over route that should have been a huge play that he just, you know, let let out of his hands. And so there's probably some receivers that could have done a, a better job overall. So I don't think Levis was ever regarded as an incredibly accurate quarterback out of Kentucky. It was more about the size, the frame, the arm strength, the upside that that he possesses. Um, but I didn't see his accuracy to be a real deficiency in this game. And again, you throw it near DeAndre Hopkins, let him make some plays. And that, that's what their game plan was. And then on a couple of those shot, uh, I think on a couple of those shot plays, it was like two man, two man, <laughs> two man routes, right? You know? Yeah. Just max protect, play action, give yourself quarterback some time and let them chuck it up. And then correct me if I'm wrong on the, on the Quanco, uh, 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 drop. He started off in the backfield, didn't he? And then, uh, goes through the line and then, uh, out and up uh, over to the right. I mean, he was wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget he was Cre- on the back creative. side. I don't know if he was as the wire or off, but yeah, he kind of leaked out and came across. They run a lot of those over routes off play action. Right. Uh, they're not afraid to use uh, Henry uh, uh, out of the backfield. Some some either design kind of rollouts or, or, or screen. So you got to be uh, on the lookout uh, for that. They will put multiple guys in the backfield, too. Uh, like I said, they used them in pistol. They used him under center. Uh, but it. it yeah, I, I thought the game planning, although probably conservative overall, why wouldn't you? I mean, you come out with mm-hmm. Derek, Derek Henry, you got a young quarterback like that. Here's the run. Let's see how you handle it. Let's see how you handle some of these formations. And then we'll kind of uh, uh, adjust from there. But I, I thought, uh, and look, I, I know at, at, at times in this game, I, I, I thought the Atlanta defense played horrible. And, and I'm not trying to take anything away from 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 uh, Tennessee in this game. Uh, there were some missed tackles in here. You know, a couple of times they did a good job of bottling Henry up. But uh, uh, there were a lot of times in 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 this game when watching that tape specifically was like, well, there's going to at least be four yards for Derrick Henry here. Uh, it's up to the Falcons to decide how much more uh, after that. That guy's such a, you know, still at his age. Uh, you know, they did those short toss, kind of the short toss plays to them. They like to try to run. They saw some pin and pull in this. Uh, you saw, I think, what, two or three uh, RPOs in this mm-hmm. uh, as well, too. So I my, my takeaway is they did a very good job with the play calling and executing uh, in those non-shot plays in here to keep that offense ahead of the chains. Uh, overall, make some of the the the, the decision making real easy for Will Levis. Yeah, and they're going to be you know generally a heavy personnel type team, couple tight ends, maybe an extra offensive lineman mixed in there. They're going to be do something that not many offenses do at this level. Uh, you, you call it fib formation in the boundary. They're going to line to the strength uh, to the um, close side of the formation and, and try to run out of that, or maybe use some tendency breakers and you know align formation and boundary and then run weak side on it. So. 
they're going to mix things up a little bit. I think they you know have a good rhythm and flow and kind of feel for what their offense wants and, and needs to be. Um, in the past game, it's really just DeAndre Hopkins and Okonkwo and, and the running backs out of the backfield. They don't really have any other receivers. Uh, Westbrook Akina does have three touchdowns this year, but he's not, you know, a, a main type of guy. It's Hopkins, Okonkwo, and um, again, kind of some checkdowns or screen passes to, to the running backs or the tight end. So um, can he just stop the run first and take away some of that, you know, effectiveness of the, effectiveness of the play action game and put some more pressure on Levis to kind of do some more conceptual type stuff than just play action and kind of chuck it up. Um, that's going to be, I think, key in this game. A couple of times in some man situations, they did excellent jobs of ru- rubbing guys off, you know, uh, com- coming across the middle. The Steelers have struggled on on some of these underneath crossing type situations, I think, mm-hmm. specifically against man. So that's something to uh, to 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 look out for right uh, right there. Uh, look, you got to where you're going to beat this team is is their their tackle situation is not great, especially looking like uh, uh and even if they had Hubbard, you know, I, I don't view their tackle situation as being great. But I it, it sounded like you're gonna get Dillard uh on the left side uh and 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 petite for uh Faree, uh over there on the right side because uh it started off with Hubbard at right tackle in this game and and, and petite for Petit Faree, how do you say his last name? I uh, Ferrer Faree. Yeah, uh, he started at left tackle. When Hubbard left, then then they they switched their left tackle over to right tackle. And then comes Dillard over at left tackle uh, over there. I would imagine that that that's the way that this 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 thing's going to shape out. And you know they were concerned because they were trying to max protect in in mm-hmm. in, in, in in shot play situations. Uh, you have got to stop. You know, it's a Captain Obvious thing. You know, that's why they pay us for this analyst here. Uh, you you got to stop Derrick Henry. You got to shut him down on first and second down. You got to shut that run game down. Uh, make Levis get in these long down situations there. And then Watt and Highsmith have got to eat off of the edges against these tackles. They absolutely have to. And yeah, they're going to have attention, but you can't give attention to both those guys. That's where I think you know, potentially having a guy like Cam Hayward back for, for, for X amount of snaps in this game, or even a guy, you know, let's, let's say, you know, you don't get a lot or anything, you know, uh, out of Hayward, uh, Benton could have a nice get nice game in this in in this one as could Montrevious Adams. You've got to get that that front getting after Will Levis, and I think that line uh, is. I think the Steelers line is much better than the Falcons uh, defensive line. This is where the difference has to be made in this game is up front across the line and getting pressure out of Levis and forcing him to make some maybe some throws that he doesn't want to make or get him on the ground with some sacks. You this could be a seven sack game for the Steelers front. It could be. You gotta force Levis into the traditional drop back passing game. If it's all play action and quick game type stuff, screens and RPOs, that means the run game's working. It means they're on schedule. It means you're gonna have probably a long day as a Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So can you force Levis to take the traditional five step, seven step drop? If you can do that, it probably means your defense is having a good day. And yeah, Dave, I would love to get Kim Hayward back, put him on Skaronsky, the rookie left guard. I know Nick said he's done well this year, you know, talented top lineman coming out in uh, Northwestern, but I want Hayward to uh to maybe feast on a rookie in his first game back. Yeah, let's see uh, let's see them short arms in action against <laughs> yeah. that I guess that long Cam arm. long arm. <laughs> Stab, yeah, I would love to see that for a couple of reps. So that'll be the key. My last or two final notes here. Watch out for the twin receiver sets, so they'll kind of go formation 
in boundary with a tight end uh, to the close side, but they'll have the two, two receivers backside to the wide side. And Pittsburgh's not traveled their corners. Can they roll somebody over to slot? Minka often does that. No Minka in this game. So who's going to roll over to slot? Will they travel the corner? That'll be something to watch out for. And they kind of run these kind of post corner routes to the sideline. Pittsburgh struggled against covering those uh, against Jacksonville last week. So I want to see how Pittsburgh handles the twin receiver sets. And then just a real quick note, mention that to, to Nick Malik Willis, not expected to play much, but some situational type stuff, red zone packages, diamond pistol, uh, bash concepts with him. They're going to utilize his legs. So just watch out for Malik Willis doing something kind of funky. And even, you know, the trick plays. Derrick Henry's thrown a pair of passes. They ran a fake punt with Amani Hooker, the rock back against uh, Atlanta last week. They converted and, and then took a big play action shot the next play off of that. So um, when you kind of have a short week and maybe some guys down, they might do something a little tricky. I can't help but think just about that 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 Titans offensive line across the board, though. Uh, uh, and 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 Keanu Benton, you know, assuming you get uh, Hayward back, I, this is a game that I think could we could be talking about after a fact that man, what a great game! But for 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 Keanu Benton, I hope so, and I hope this line works because this line's not getting off of blocks and penetrating. You got Henry in space gonna be a long day and mink is not there to clean this thing up and tackle right. in space you know i mean you got casey and neil they can tackle but i trust mink more than anybody in the back end so you hope that you don't have henry with a full head of speed in that second and third level right uh, you get late in games that get that dude to wear you down you get tired of tackling him i mean that ought to be punishment for some people uh just having to go out there and having to tackle that guy uh or, or uh, 30 30 plays a game uh if this game's close and it gets in you know in, in into the later stages and henry's already been running downhill uh on you a little bit it, it, it it's going to make for a rough fourth quarter for the especially if this offense can't stay on the field and you're talking about a Steelers yeah. defense having to log 72 75 snaps in a game don't don't get in that situation the offense can play great the Steelers offense can play great defense in this game by just Mm -hmm. staying on the field, you know? Sure. But you know, the 31st in time of possession per drive, you know, I mentioned last week, they had 10 of their 12 drives go two fifteen or less. I mean, they were going a minute and out type stuff and that, and that, that, that just cannot happen. So if you're Pittsburgh, just to kind of talk about them offensively and transition to the Titans defense, can you run the ball? Can you just start chewing up some clock here a little bit, maybe give your defense a rest and try to sustain a bit here. But Dave, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what this Titans run defense is tough, and Nick mentioned it. And you have to start there with the Titans defense. They're they're two two deep defensive linemen, the two D tackles, and Autry and Simmons. And Simmons never comes off the field. Eighty seven percent snap count for him this year. He's their Cam Hayward. Um, you know, probably a couple of years younger, a bit more athletic at this point in his career. And as Nick said, Autry to me is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in football. They're a good run stuffing front. Pittsburgh, of course, has not run the ball well. That's the thing that concerns me the most is can Pittsburgh run the football against his front four? And look, I, I still think that, uh, uh, and, and we've given Simmons his flowers and all like that. I, this defense can be run on. Uh, you think? Yeah, I think they can. Inside? You think on the edge? I think they can. I think they can run on them inside. I, I really, really, really I hope so. do. Uh, I, I, I think they can. And here, here's an interesting stat for you up the middle, 45 runs against this, uh, 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 Titans, uh, run defense up the middle, 5.04 yards per carry average, 29th rank overall, uh, in the NFL. And I tell you another guy that I want to test when he's on the field, uh, 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 for, 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 for run defense is, is Arden key. You so you you would go after him. You don't. I, I I would go after him. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now he was a longer, lankier guy out of LSU, kind of more pass rusher. So I'm with you there. Uh, I just have got a feel feeling that if they if if we can see kind of a repeat of this uh, line uh, getting off some of these blocks and getting getting to the second level, I think they can run on them between the guards. They better. Yeah, uh, I know Tennessee overall, though, 3.8 yards per carry allowed on the season. Uh, they don't allow a lot of big plays in the run game. But, yeah, if you can run downhill and establish that, that's going to pay off dividends in, in so many ways. So, you know, when they, basically the MS when Pittsburgh can run decently, their offense can can be competent and average and do enough, as they did in the Rams game. Uh, the Raiders game, for example, I believe they had a bit more running success. If they can't do that, as you saw against Jacksonville, puts too much pressure, especially with Kenny Pickett beat up and this line not pass protecting the best. They got a couple of edge guys that can get after it a bit here. So um, it, it's obvious, always got to run the ball well, but it's very true in this game. Yeah, I think the intermediate passing game sets up good for the Steelers in this game too against this uh, against this defense. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, talking, going back on Simmons there, you can't, they, they'll, they're mostly a, 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 a four-man rush type situation. They do do a lot of twists and stunts, so the, the Steers have had problems with that. Uh, all they do, man, they'll do some of those long looping uh, uh, stunts as well, too, right? Where, yeah, which uh, Jacksonville did and had success with. Right, right. So you have to be on the lookout for uh, uh, for the games that 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 they run up front because especially when you have guys like Simmons and the other big boy in there. Uh, uh, tart. They do such a good job crashing and getting the interior guys turned and committed, which opens up a big lane up, 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 up the middle. Pittsburgh has allowed way too many free runners the last two weeks, Dave, against the Rams and Jacksonville. We've got linebackers, you know, off ball blitz and edge guys blitzing free. I think Pittsburgh's slide, slide protection's been countered too easily, too too effectively, and and it can't happen in this game. You're right that you know Landry and key and the interior guy Simmons are and even Autry, you know, they're going to be the source of their pass rush, but they blitz a little bit. McCreary's got two sacks this year, their corner. And so they do a little bit of, you know, mixing up and trying to bring some extra pressure. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the secondary? I've kind of watched the secondary a bit less. It's not the strength of this team. Do you think that's an area that Pittsburgh can, can go after? Yeah, but I mean that they're going to probably going to play a lot of zone. And once again, th- this is a kind of a game though, that I think that, that, you can get the ball in Deontay Johnson's hands more and run after the catch on. Uh, we'll see if they can isolate George Pickens a little bit more in, 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 in some situations here. Uh, but I mean, they, uh, you got to think that they're going to be trying to follow the MO of everybody else. Just, just don't, you know, don't let, don't get beat over the top. Keep their, their corners seem pretty willing, at least in, 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 against the Falcons, they seem willing to help out uh, in, in, in the tackling department. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I, mean, I think Mike Rabel coach team needs to have guys that can tackle and play run defense across the board. I think, you know, I, and I have to do more tape study on Tennessee. I'm going to do that defensively. So I'm going to do that uh, later today. The report will be out tomorrow for myself and Jonathan and Josh. But, you know, the outside receivers have to win. Those guys have to make plays. Can you win vertically, do stuff post-catch? Um, it's going to be a game where Deontay and Pickens have to be, you know, A-plus players. Right. Just possess the football. Come out and shoot possession of the foot football and maybe put a – you know, a touchdown drive together earlier, at least, you know, at least, uh, back them up. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to tip my, my pick off, uh, uh, right just yet, even though we're fixing to get to it, I have a feeling here, but, uh, uh, it feels like the Steelers offense should be able to move the football on this defense. 
now, now what, what, whether, whether they can punch it in or not, <laughs> you know, is another, another question here, but, uh, man, we, we've got to, we've got to come out of a game with the Steelers winning time of possession. What's the old saying? Possession is nine tenths of the law. Possession is nine tenths of how Pittsburgh can can win this game. And yeah, they got to execute and finish drives off. But let's get to that point by putting together some drives that you know can be finished off or have the chance to be finished off and get in the red zone. So yeah, that, that's always going to be key. And Pittsburgh has just not possessed the ball enough this season. Again, last two weeks, seven to twenty four on third down, twenty nine percent. Those numbers are not winning football. I mean, it feels like if you come down and you drive the football the first couple of times, you know, two out of three times, even if you come away with just two field goals, it feels like monumental uh, at, at this point. Just get off to quicker starts. And it's something obviously we've been talking about with this offense for a long time. Pittsburgh first possession points in this economy. I mean, they've not done it once this year. They're one of two teams that don't have a first possession point scoring field goal or touchdown this year the Jets are the other and you don't want to be bedfellows with the Jets offense right now so yeah I mean I would love a quicker start I'm not expecting it I'm hoping for it but you know at least can you just I'll take a you know get a couple of first downs just get a couple of first downs and flip the field and back that offense up you know make them have some long fields I mean at, at this point I know it's it's sad to say but at this point I'll take two first downs a punt that puts them inside their 10 right I'll, I'll consider that a win on a first drive I, I would as well. I, I I'd consider a win doing that for most of the first half. You know, just, right. uh, come out of there and look. They got to get better on third down. Obviously, you know, third downs have been a bug bugaboo uh, as well too. But uh, uh, don't get in third down situations. How about you know? Yeah, stop getting sacked on second down. Their first possession the last two weeks they've been sacked on second down, which put them in third and long and forced the punt. So that, that's easy math right there. Right, and obviously some early game penalties on the offensive line is hurt. I mean, it just it, it's. Man, you look to you know, analytic, advanced analytics wise through the first eight games uh, or seven games, obviously, <laughs> is is not great. Uh, it's even worse than last year through the first seven games by a little bit. I mean, in in what category? Uh, when you're or talking about uh, EPA, you know, uh, expected points and and rush uh, run success and 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 play success percentage, all all of it. Uh, all mm-hmm. those key factors uh, uh, in the advanced analytics are on, on offense are worse uh, seven games in this year than it was seven games last year. And we all remember that this team really didn't start getting any any continuity or anything on offense until a- a- after 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 the bye, which was what week 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 nine last year. Yeah, their ninth game they turned it around. Yeah, they were they were two and five at this point last year, and their offense is somehow worse this year, and yet they're four and three. So go figure on that. Um, but yeah, and just the other stat just to kind of put a bow on the, the bad starts in the first quarter of the season, Pittsburgh is averaging two point two yards per play. That's uh, dead last in football. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just you you just literally can't get worse than that. Right. Use the back some out of the back. You know, can can you start leaking Washington out and try to get the ball in his hands a couple of times uh, in in this game? Uh, because once again, I mean, the, the 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 Titans know who the weapons are, and and they're probably going to be more concentrating on 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 not allowing Pickens and and Deontay from from running loose in the secondary. Sure, but. Yeah, maybe that's more of a Connor Hayward thing. Hayward's dominated the snap count. I mean, just to touch on this really briefly, I want to go. I need to go through Tom Meets charting a bit closer. But yeah, I know that Tomlin said Monday that Washington only played ten snaps because of game circumstance. He didn't even play that game early. I mean, that game in the first quarter, it's Hayward starting. It's Rodney Williams getting the hat over him. It's not like it was late game situations where maybe you want your best receivers on the field, and that's the reason why. 
Uh, Washington was not part of the opening sh- uh, script of that Jaguars game. Mm. So that's an interesting note, and, and we'll see if that continues on a, on a short week overall. So any final thoughts here, Dave, uh, with this Titans uh, out, outlet here for, for them? On a short week, and look, I and, and once again, I don't want to take away what, what, what Will Levis did uh, against the Falcons, but I, I thought the Falcons really played poor on the defensive side of that football uh, o- overall. Uh, this- when did they lose Grady Jarrett? I'm sorry to interrupt, but when did they lose Grady Jarrett? Was that in-game that, that he went down? Uh, I don't remember specifically. Let me see if I can pull up because he tore his ACL. He went down four plays into that game. Okay. So, yeah, they, they lost one of their key guys there. Uh, but, but I'm with you. Atlanta did not play a great game. Right. Uh, I, I think catching – look, uh, you, Will Levis, you know, coming in, in, in into uh, uh, your Stadium is going to be you – know, look, I think the crowd can make a difference in this game too, you know, uh, with, with the snap counts and all like that as well too. So make communication uh, tough on him. Uh, I, got, I, got, I got to see Will Levis do it again. Yeah, that's the question. And as I think we all acknowledge, he did not have to do too much. The numbers are impressive, and kudos to him. That's a tough spot to be in. He played well, but the Titans made that easy on him. Right. And Hopkins made it easy on him, and the Falcons made it easy on him. And Pittsburgh, I think, can make it harder on Will Levis. Right. Uh, and and once again, you I mean, you can't take those shot plays out out of the out out of the the chart or the stat book. But uh, you take those away. Uh, it was, it was to me, a pretty pedestrian, you know, uh, uh, high percentage pass game for him. Plus for Pittsburgh's benefit, you got some tape on this guy in a regular season mm-hmm. game. You know, the, the Falcons are going off a of preseason, the bits and pieces there, and probably some Kentucky tape. Now you at least can see, okay, this is how their offense is game planned around Will Levis, you know, as the starter. So that's going to help Pittsburgh to know what this offense will look like. Yeah. Look, pressure them. However you got to do it. Hopefully you don't have to send numbers doing it. Uh, but, uh, uh, with the shape of this off, this is a, this is a game that, that really sets up great for the, for the Steelers front, I think. All right. Well, I think, are we time to make our picks? Are sure. we kind of leaning into that? So, um, I, I guess I'll start here overall and kind of been maybe hinting at that. I mean, I think Tennessee played a great game, but I think Pittsburgh, again, that having that, that full game to watch on Levis, I think he's going to come back down to earth a bit here. I don't know exactly what kind of game it'll be, but I don't think it'll be four touchdowns, kind of the the really, you know, crystal sparkling performance that it was. Can Pittsburgh run the ball? That's my biggest concern overall in this game. But I think the receivers are better than their corners on a short week at home. Tennessee having to travel, that's tough to do. Pittsburgh seems to do well in these primetime type of moments. I'm going to go Pittsburgh in this one, Dave, 24 to 17. Maybe I should have picked a <laughs> slightly lower scoring game because Thursdays are always ugly. I'll say Pittsburgh gets a big play. They win by seven. I've got even more confidence than you. I was afraid Ooh. he was going to throw out, out the number. I, I I think that the defense eats in this, gets a couple of turnovers. Uh, I think the Steelers are able to run the football. Uh, I, 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 I think the defense really, the front has Keanu Benton, two sacks in this game. Uh, I've been kind of uh, hint, hinting at that. I think uh, Watt and Highsmith have a good game. I'm, I'm, I drink a full cup of optimism uh, since that ugly, you know, uh, offensive performance against the Jack, I think they get some things straightened out. I think it's a good week to get things straightened out on a short week, uh, 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 t- uh lending more in the favor of the Steelers than this one being at home. Uh, a yin explosion, Alex, 27, 17, 
27 wow. points. Yeah, 10-point win. 10-point uh, win on this one. This is the saltine of Steelers games uh, 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 this year. I'll be disappointed. I'll, a, I'll be disappointed if they don't win, obviously. Uh, B, I'll be dis- disappointed if this isn't uh, their first um, more than one possession win, right? Which would be the first time since the finale last year against Cleveland when they won 28 to 14. So big now, I'm, numbers. Not, I'm not I'm not going the 400 yards total ah. offense. Uh, 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 BMAC, I think, is predicting that. So you won't okay. be with BMAC. Uh, I, I think they handle them. I, I think. I, I don't, you know, Nick seems to think that it's, you know, obviously more closer, uh, tip, you know, Thursday night, uh, game and all like, I think Mike Tom is going to have these guys up. I think they're going to be fired up with hopefully Cameron, Cameron Hayward coming back. Uh, uh, I, I expect a big win in this one, Alex, first one of do, the year. Do you think all 27 points will be scored by the offense? No, I think Pittsburgh no. gets a defensive touchdown no. in this one. They pick Levis, they jump around, they, you know, strip sack fumble, some big right. defensive splash play. Yeah, uh, if, 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 if they do score 27 points, the defense will if, – if the defense doesn't score, they'll set them up enough on, on, on short field a time or two uh, to help uh, out that to get enough credit on. And that'll make Mike Tomlin very happy because those, those three takeaways, Dave, against Jacksonville, just not good enough. They didn't put the ball at the goal line for Pittsburgh's offense. Still, uh, still look, kinda, you, you got to have this game, right? <laughs> if you're students, you got to have this game. I mean, it, I don't want to. So you're saying it's must win when you say you got to have this game. Is that what you're? I never saying? like to say a uh, unless you're, you know, two and whatever, you know, at, 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 it's as must of a win game as a four and three team with the offense that the Steelers have can be. I'll, I'll cat that that's a lot of quanta quantifiers there. Yeah. But it, Cause you said uh, they got to have this game, which tells me yeah, it's a must win game. I, I look, I mean, I, I think they got to have this because look, Nick made a great point as well too. The Titans are think they're going to climb back yeah, up in this thing. And the Titans have, have some tiebreakers over some other AFC teams. It would be pretty detrimental uh, if, if the Titans are going to kind of mediocre this thing out the rest of the way and, and, and put themselves in wild card, uh, talk moving forward as well too, for them to have head to head, uh, direct tiebreakers on the Steelers could, could, could play sure. in, into this later on, uh, in the season as well too. So I, I, you know, I think just from a win loss category, I, losing a head to head tiebreaker to the Titans could, could come into play later. So, this is as as close as a week nine, four and three. I'm going to quantify. Hey, oh my goodness, how specific <laughs> uh, is this stat getting? Yeah, but uh, they they got to have this game, Alex. I, I, mean, I, for, I because look, uh, you got another winnable one. I think sure. uh, next week against the Packers, uh, and then you've got two division games, which I think you'll be hard pressed to find any any Steelers fan at this moment that thinks you're going to sweep Cleveland and Cincinnati back to back. You know, yeah, you got to at least split, uh, split right. is ideal. I, I, I think it's a very important game for Pittsburgh, and I don't mean to get into the semantics about must win versus got to have it. Yeah, I think it, it, it'd be a really big game to put Pittsburgh back on the right track, and you go into the the kind of the mini bye week at Green Bay. Hopefully, you beat them. And if you, you know, we're kind of getting over our skis here, but if you win these next two games, you're six and three. If you split against the division, you're seven and four for the stretch run. You're in a pretty good spot. So, um, yeah, this one obviously is going to help you out in a bunch of different ways if you can Look- come out on top. Look, if they lose this game, they're going to lose it just like the Falcons did. 
I, I think you, you know, in, you, in, in what sense? Uh, uh, big plays. uh, yeah, big plays and Henry, you know, wearing you down at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably fair. So I'm with you there, but I think we both think that Pittsburgh can, can do enough to, to edge this one out. With that said, this will probably end up being one of those 13, <laughs> 11 games or something yeah. like that. Al Michael's talking about Sorogami. Yeah, how bad this game is because the Thursday games was last like good Thursday game that you you've seen. They don't they don't happen too often for the uh, right. Amazon crew. All, All right, right, Dave. I think we can get some reader emails and close out today's show. Did I drink too much optimism? I don't know. We'll find in. out. Uh, let me sort this stuff out for you here real quick. Uh, we will start with. Uh, Jefferson Brown. I went back and listened to a previous episode right before the season started. And there was a lot of excitement with this team, possibly winning 11 or 12 games. I was, I was more, look, I was a game more optimistic than Alex was, but I think we both kind of thought that this could be a 10 or 11 win team with maybe 12 on the high side here. He says, I'm not here to criticize. I was just wondering who is going to be held accountable on the Steelers team or front office uh, for the performance of this team. Granted, we still have a little over half a season to go, but this offense is atrocious, firmly at the bottom of the league, almost every st- offensive statistical category. In the words of George Pickens, the Steelers seem to have a hope offense when they tried to rely on their defense to put the offense in position to score uh from from Paul Brown there uh look i this offense better get better uh uh in a hurry uh here in the second half of this season if not uh i think you got to really look at every coach on on that side of the football and defensively it they've been able to keep the score down which obviously that that's a key to this, but there, you know, you can't have Mink up, which right now we'd kill to have Mink back out there and make 12 tackles, especially against the Jaguars and all like that. Uh, too many. I think you talked about this, Alex, too many explosive plays and, and, and all like that. But obviously a lot of the onus uh, is on the offense. I think you've got to look at every position coach when it comes to changes. Sure. I mean, Matt Canada is where it's going to start in terms of the obvious ones that, you know, you really can't see returning. Pat Meyer may not return. The offensive line coach from there might be harder to, to guess, but there could be some some shakeups there. But, you know, you expect Mike Tom to be back and, you know, that's that's not going to change. Hey, I meant to ask you, Dave, um, did you make that prediction for Pittsburgh, assuming Kenny Pickett plays? And if Trubisky were to start, does that change your prediction, your confidence at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so fair. <laughs> you went, you went all Kool Aid, Kool Aid man on me there, Dave. But um, no, yeah, I'm with you. I, I quote apparently. I think I don't have the exact quote, but Jerry Dulac said a, 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 a determination to unpick it's not been made yet. Although that's kind of in line with Mike Tomlin had to say. But I think we're both expecting Kenny Pickett to play. And look, if Mitch, if 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 Mitch plays, you got to have a uh, uh, a come to Jesus moment with him ahead of the game. You know. And your run game, say, guys, we got to run the yeah. ball like 45 times like the Carolina game because of Trubisky's having to do, to do too much. It's going to be a long day. Tennessee has not taken the football away, as Nick said. They have been a really uh, defense that's not gotten takeaways. So hopefully that works in Pittsburgh's favor. And the Steelers have gotten away with some turnover-worthy plays. Oh, yeah. It was one of that Jacksonville game, too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Drop, pick six. I forget the whole circumstance. Yeah, but, the, yeah. Uh, the 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 Deontay slipping early, right? Uh, over yeah. there to, to, to the right side. and. 
You're throwing it right to the, the DB that uh, did, didn't make the play. Also, uh, I, I just got to, I know we're getting off track, but they slipped so much Pittsburgh did in that Jacksonville. Game. I told you. I know, but like, it's your home turf. It's a little bit of rain. I know. I told you that much. I mean, everybody's like Dan Moore and Trubisky and defensively. I, Peterson, I told you. I know. Why, why can't they get cleats? Are they, are they not aware of the uh, location that they play in? I mean, I, this is the good weather. It's going to get worse from here, man. Look, you know? I throw Deontay Johnson out of the talk because he's slipped ever since. Yeah, just DNA. <laughs> uh, I, I, other than putting him in uh, six-inch cle- uh, uh, spikes, you know, uh, I don't know what that that guy just slipping's in his DNA. Uh, Watt was slipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, everybody was slipping in that game, both sides of the football. I don't, I don't understand it. Your home turf, look, and 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 it's not like you didn't know rain and rain was coming. They, uh, uh, your tackles were 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 on. Not that they're not on roller skates a lot anyway, <laughs> right. but uh, they they were really were sliding. Maybe they need to fire the cleat guy or whoever. You know? Equipment guy, because Jacksonville seemed to be okay. I didn't see them slipping around, know. and you know, they're the road team there. So just There's a note. Certain things, is, and obviously you got a time time to go fine or two comb with that, and, and you saw that as well too. There was a lot of slipping, and it's rare even for Watt to you know to, uh, but he was, you know, he couldn't keep his footing. For for it wasn't like it was 12, 14 plays, but it was enough or it was noticeable. It was early. I think maybe he changed cleats or something because yeah, like the first three, four rushes, he was, you know, he couldn't keep his feet. So it just you know not a good preparation from an equipment standpoint. What's the weather supposed to be like Thursday night? I didn't even think to check. Uh, I think cold. I don't know if there's snow still in the forecast. We've got a, a, a coating today, says Thursday looks like high of 49. By the time kickoff happens, 42, clear sky. So should be, you know, typical November weather, but nothing crisp. Crisp. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Crisp fall game. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The environment, Thursday night football, accuracy is going to be. Ramped up as usual. It it uh, gonna be interesting to see how Levis handles all that and all. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, where I were we got off the email I, there, so I'm I'm sorry for that. All right. That's your fault. Yes. Uh, Russell writes in, love the podcast. I go to Steeders Depot for all my Steeders related news. Been following and listening to you guys for years. I think the biggest issue with the Steeders is the quality of talent, not the coaching. Uh, that falls on a GM. In this case, our former GM, Kevin Colbert, 2022 class aside for right now, looking back to his drafts from 2016 to 2021, they have been poor essentially in the first round, not including the 2017 draft. He also refused to sign free agents in their prime, opting instead to sign bargain basement free agents and players past their prime. I like what Omar Khan has done so far. and believe in him. But it's going to take another offseason or two to flip this roster into a Super Bowl quality team. Uh, Russell, you heard me probably a couple of weeks ago go off on that just weird rant about some of the things I think this team needs needs to to change. Uh, uh, but in the flip side, I, I've I've said it time and time and t- time and time again. Give me as many of these guys as you want that that that'll sign these veteran benefit contracts, but don't let that be the end all uh, uh, do all of it. Uh, as far as draft classes come. You know, I, I think, you know, once you get past the third round, you know, I think any anything that you get uh, that, that you get. Now, I'll say this right now. And obviously, we haven't seen Broderick Jones play a lot. Did this rookie class this year looks looks promising, at least, uh, you know, uh, like to see Darnell do better as a, if Darnell became the third best 
or, or if Darnell Washington became the fifth best blocking tight end in the NFL, that's a win at this point. Or the fifth best rookie of this class or whatever right. it is, fourth best. You know, if you if Porter can play well, Benton Jones, and if Washington is the fourth best guy, then sign me up for that. Look, I mean, anything, uh, what you're getting out of Nick Herbig right now is absolutely fantastic. And the hope is that you don't have to get him on the field uh, 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 much more uh, uh, during his rookie season. But, you know, he's playing on special teams, yada, yada. I mean, Nick Herbig, no matter how you slice it, Nick Herbig's been a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's at, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Finally, you know, taken over as a starter. Now it's been positive, uh, with, with, uh, with, with, with him, uh, who else are we missing? Uh, Keanu Benton, you know, I, I'm, I think he's going to have a coming out party, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Thursday night there. You obviously want to see more Broderick Jones, uh, you know, S- Spencer Anderson, obviously not seeing the field, uh, uh, Corey Trice Jr. Hard, hard, hard to, uh, evaluate those guys. Uh, I think they need to take a hard, hard look at uh, what's going to happen during the off off season, especially on the defensive side of football. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I think secondary is going to be something to look at. Maybe long term replacements for Hayward. I mean, to the question about Colbert, yeah, the draft classes weren't probably as strong at the end than they were at the beginning. I, I still think they found some starter caliber guys and some talent. I think maybe the Debate should have been about, you know, could they have invested more in the offensive line, been more aggressive about that? I mean, they didn't spend a lot in free agency, although he did in that last year when Ben came off the books. He was kind of hamstrung by that that, that franchise, you know, quarterback contract. So when that started to open up, you saw them bring in some guys. Um, so I think that's I would probably disagree with that a little bit. But I, I'm still happy with how, you know, Quobert ran things and even how things ended up at the end there. Um, but, you know, it's all. It's all water under the bridge, I guess. And look, I, you know, uh, when it comes to Kenny Pickett right now, uh, you know, they're depending on who you talk to, you know, think, think the time needs to end, you know, that, that he's not going to, let's assume that you're in, 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 in the category of people that says Kenny Pickett's not going to be that guy. Okay. Folks, you're, you're, you're still going to be, you're, you better get used to seeing them because, at least through next year, they're not going to do anything different at the quarterback position through next season because they want to give him every opportunity before they have to make that fifth-year option decision on him after next season to find out if he if 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 he can be that guy or not. So uh, I you know. I understand uh, that 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 uh, uh, he's he's not where a lot of a lot of us probably thought he might be at this point, and maybe he's not going to be that guy. I I get it, but you better get used to seeing him back there for uh, assuming he's healthy for how many more games we got? Uh, uh, 10, 10 this year and seventeen, twenty seven more games. And they're going to sit there and say, okay, we're going to change coordinators. We'll see who the real problem was, Canada or Pickett. And and they're going to run this thing back next year with a new OC and see how Pickett looks under that system. Although it goes to the point you made before of if Pickett struggles in year three, do they sit there and say, well, you had a new OC, new system, and you kind of kick that can down the road. But those are all off-season discussions to have. Look, he's, he is he is piloting the plane, and either he's going to, you know, start being able to get more air with this thing, or they're going to let him just run it right into the ground. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, he's got the keys this year. I mean, the only thing that you can point to is that Omar Khan did not draft Kenny Pickett. And, that, and to me, if there was ever one critique of Kevin Colbert of how this thing ended, I still think he should have stepped down after that uh, 2022 season ended, as opposed to running the entire 2022 offseason and then turning the keys over to Omar in late May. I think that was the wrong decision. I think it's just not fair to uh, any new GM, regardless of who it was, to come in and not get to work a full offseason. But again, that's all, you know, in the past. I still think they were all on on him, though. I, do you think it changes well, if, if if Omar and if I, I don't Ken, know. Ken, I, Kenny I, fall, falls? I mean, they they were going to take Kenny Pickett there, probably. But I mean, I'd like Omar to be in that position. We I don't know. Was Omar really consulted on that? They didn't have a GM. They they hadn't gone through the interview process. So I don't think they were consulting Omar on who he wanted to be, who his top quarterback was. I, I think probably Pickett's still the guy because I think you know Art Rooney would want him and Tomlin would, would want him and 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 the, the comfort they had with him being a local guy, but. Not even just pick it, but also just running the whole offseason. I just think in principle, that's how it should have been done. It was how it's done in Green Bay, done in Baltimore with uh, Newsom to DaCosta, um, from Thompson to uh, Guntacoust. So I, I just think that's the way it should have been, should have went down. Is that Omar's saving grace right now? I didn't draft him. <laughs> it's it's not a bad card or, to play. Or could it could it be his card that he plays? I mean, it, I don't think it needs to be played because I don't think he's going to get fired any, anytime soon. Uh, you know, publicly, you know, you, we can argue that point. But I, I don't think it, it really matters because he's got some good job security. Right. And once again, you better get used to seeing Kenny Pickett out there. And yeah. hopefully he can he can he can turn this. Uh, turn. Look, uh, he can make every every throw. It's just a processing and he's not making some of the throws that that that, that need to be there. And then also he's not getting help. I mean, there it's mm-hmm. not it's not just Kenny Pickett that, that's sure. wrong with this thing right now. For sure. I mean, All right. It, any it, it's across is Najee here. Will you give a Najee a fifth year picking up his fifth year option from where you sit right now? Uh, probably not, but I'm glad there's still some more time to figure that thing out, but not looking good right now, Dave. All right. Let me get these folks. Uh, one more, uh, question here, Jeff Berg. It feels like once again, we are stuck in a season that will yield no fruit. Uh, how can seemingly every team do things like throw short passes and get yardage and also run the ball for more than two yards consistently? It's so bizarre and even more bizarre that the top brass haven't changed anything. Other teams against us uh, get their running backs full speed into the second level consistently. They also dump the ball to the tight ends and slot receivers and get first down after first down, and yet we never can. How long a leash does the staff players get? It's just the ugliest offense I've, I've ever seen in my 50 years uh, on the planet. And Dave, you hit on this slipping thing I was going to mention. I didn't see Jacksonville slip once. Uh, It's just uh, one of the many straws that's breaking the fans' uh, backs. Look, you know, once again, everybody everybody get ready for the coaching staff, at least for the rest of this season, remain the same. So, I mean, I I don't know what, what changes people are expecting there. I did see the Bears fired their running backs coach. Was that right? Yes, apparently for misconduct. So oh. the Bears are having a heck of a time this year. Two guys leaving for uh, misconduct. All right. Uh, and also uh, just uh, from the 2020, 2022 class, Desmond Ritter has been officially benched. Uh, Taylor uh, Heineke will uh, get the start. So Ritter uh, had played well, I thought, at some points, but struggling more, and he's now on the bench. Yeah, he looked like he he looked he looked pretty awful against Tennessee. Uh, you haven't got a lot to the Tennessee tape yet, but yeah. no, I had not gotten to that part yeah. yet. So I'm in for that. But so that's that that 2022 class. Willis is now you know the third stringer essentially in Tennessee when all those guys are healthy with uh, Levis passing them up and Howell struggling. Uh, you got Purdy and Pickett trying to get there, and that's about it. 
Yeah. Uh, look, I, you know, we'll see how the rest of this season plays out for the Steelers. I mean, they they very well could ugly this thing to a nine and eight playoff spot. Sure, it's it's the most Steelers thing to do would be to do that. I tell you what, they better get that adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat more in balance this week because technically this is the week, the eighth game. Uh, where, where you look uh, hard and heavy on uh, at that. All right, uh, Alex, uh, anything else before we get out of here? Nope, long show today, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. A lot to cover, trying to squeeze this thing in. Be back on Friday to uh, recap and give our analysis of this Titans game and see where things stand. All right, a lot of pregame content coming up starting Thursday morning for you to for everybody to chew on. Uh, uh, scouting reports, both sides of the football. Uh, uh, some more statistical posts going up, and obviously injury reports coming out today to close out the week. And Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon, we'll see what transactions this team makes on top of it. And uh, going to fast forward it all into Thursday night. Alex and I'll be back Friday morning uh, to wrap up what we saw. Hopefully, talking about a Steelers win. Uh, on, on that Friday show. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com, hit that donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com uh, and find that on the site. So uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you. Th- great October. We can't uh, uh, thank everybody enough uh, for visiting the site and listening to the podcast and the terrible takes and 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 the depot 180 shout out to the staff for their tireless work just thank you thank you thank you everybody we don't take it uh for granted so uh until friday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex